Hi everyone, my name is Gabriel and this is the Hour of the Raven, your channel for everything Ravenloft, RPG, Dungeons and Dragons and Horror. Today we will explore the darkest secrets that the desolate lands of Forlorn hide in their forgotten ruins and dark forests. But before we start, I must warn the curious explorer. This video will reveal several secrets of the domain. And if you intend to participate as a player in any campaign in Forlorn, it may be wise to talk to your dungeon master before watching this video and avoid potential game spoilers. Also, if you haven't seen our latest videos about the domain of Forlorn and its tragic history, we recommend watching them first to get the most out of this video. Are you ready? So, let's take the advantage of the secrets shared by the druids and travel to explore the ancient lands and ruins of Forlorn, and the secrets hidden by time and abandonment. Power of The current human population of Forlorn has mostly head hair, with few variations in its shade. This aspect is a sign of a fairy heritage, and the druids themselves believe to have in their veins the magical blood of the good people, a race of fairy creatures that once inhabited these lands in ancient times, but now have disappeared completely from this world. When the day of war occurred, only those with head hair escaped the transformation into grotesque goblins because of their fairy heritage. This mystical heritage can also awaken some headheads to inner magical powers and arouse innate abilities to cast magical effects linked to nature spells, even if they do not follow any precepts of a clerical or druidic fate. These abilities are not the only secret harbored by the druid in their circles. Too devoted to the balance and restoration of nature, they are not a united group. Two rival factions are currently arguing about the best tragedy for the restoration of form. The Oak faction is led by the druid Maeve and believes that the evil forces of form must be countered by introducing pure and kind creatures into the domain. They do not believe that violent actions against the dark forces and corrupted creatures will restore nature, and a new balance of forces must be achieved. The Oak faction is also responsible for the network of small caves and tunnels, known as the Sanctuary. These hiding places, hidden by the druidic magic of nature, guarantee a refuge and passage to the druids through the dangerous lands controlled by goblin clans. On the other side, the druid Fiona lead the Rowan faction that believe that the evil and corrupting forces of Forlorn must be controlled by violent means, arguing that the druids of Forlorn should take a more aggressive stand against the dark forces. Shulag, Fiona's mother, was the one who recently led a major attack on Castle Tristenoria leading several druids and some mercenaries. The efforts have resulted in the death of almost all the invaders. Although weakened and defeated, 
the Roland faction claims to have obtained essential information to finally defeat the ghost of Castle Tristenoria. The Roland faction is searching for a legendary artifact, the Horn of the Sacred Grove, an item created many decades ago by a powerful druid named Gregory. While Gregory was being attacked by bands of savage goblins, he feared that his artifact would fall into enemy hands, so he casted a curse that the horn would never be found by any one of these cursed lands. The legendary horn, in addition to conferring numerous mystical protections on its wearer, is capable of summoning the wild hunt, a mystical force of nature that once conjured commands a relentless spectral hunt against a target. The wild hunt is led by an ancestral spirit of nature, a humanoid figure known as the Horned God, who commands a large group of huge dogs with bright green eyes to hunt down the forces of evil. When the hunt begins, any man or beast who hears the call of the hunt master or the howls of the dogs is taken by an impulse to join the hunt, which only ends when an evil creature is finally slaughtered and destroyed. Without the control of the Horn of the Sacred Roof, this powerful manifestation may still occur in some nights in the domain of Orlan, but the corrupting force of the mists prevents it from distinguishing evil in their targets, and the hunt may choose anyone who crosses its path as a target to its merciless and untiring hunt. The true location of the Horn of the Sacred Groove is the Mound of Arau, a fissure in the caldera of Mount Arau, where the goblins bury the bones of their dead. The place is filled with yellowish sulfuric vapors, and the bottom of the fissure is full of broken bones from a hundred bodies, and the artifact is lost in the middle of this massive ossuary. Those who desire to seek out this lost treasure must be prepared for great dangers, as among the poisonous vapors of the mount is a misty horror, and among the bones a bone golem act as a guardian. Leaving behind the druids who welcomed us, we head towards the ruins of Castle Fofamax where a small group of Forfarians is trying to re-establish a small village. The village of Forfamax is the only timid attempt to establish an urban occupation in Forlorn, out of the druidic circles. The village is located near the border with the Kingdom of Haslan, and is led by McGrain, a distant relative of the former clan that owned these lands. Despite countless attempts, however, the castle Fofamax remains abandoned and in ruins. The attempts to occupy and restore the construction always ended in brutal deaths, when the very stones of the ruins rose in the air by invisible forces to slaughter the invaders. The castle is haunted by a powerful poltergeist, called by the locals as the ghost of hospitality. According to legends, the throne of the castle Fofamax became vacant and was disputed by two twin brothers, heirs of the Macfarn clan. Treacherously, Duncan Macfarn invited his brother to visit the hall in a gesture of truce and peace. His brother, Donald Macfarn, 
came with 20 of his most loyal men. But Duncan set a trap, and when they were having dinner in his hall, crossbowmen, hidden in the castle's secret passages, murdered all the guests. Duncan Macfar became the new leader of the clan and lord of Castle Forfamax. However, a year later, when Duncan was celebrating his wedding in the same hall, the doors of the hall became locked and the huge stones of the castle rose in the air and were thrown upon the guests, butchering all that were present. Since then, the castle is empty and in ruins, and anyone who tries to settle in is attacked by the ghost of hospitality. As we move away from the sad village of Forfamax and deep into the country of Forlorn, we find the sickly, twisting forests corrupted by evil influence. Sick and aggressive animals seem to circle these forests, and the vegetation halts all advances as the forests are littered with twisting trees, thorns and poisonous flowers and fungi. A traveler should be especially careful of carnivorous plants and devouring trees, as well as dangerous trends, animated trees that hate humans and goblins and resent their presence. In this dark forest, an evil force prepares to challenge Tristan Upblanc for the dominion over Forlorn. In the ancient past, the oldest and most sacred of the trends was Azenroth. He lived in communion with humans and was revered by the druids who celebrate the solstice and equinox around its trunk. As Forlorn was swallowed by the mists and corrupted by evil, Azenroth turned his back on the humans, who he blamed for Forlorn's tragedy. The trends took a murderous conduct, driving humans and goblins from his forests, until one day it perished in combat, slayed by a powerful arcane named Kiao. The arcane used the wood from Azenroth's body to create numerous arcane scrolls and wands of power. Over time, these scrolls and wands were spread across the lands of the mists, but the mad and enraged essence of Azenroth survived and gradually the scrolls and wands would came together to form a horrible golem. After getting all parts of his now deformed body, he became a tragic parody of his former self and finally returned to Forlorn to set in motion his evil plan. Azenroth assembled the rest of the trends of Forlorn and using his corrupting force created the Black Groove. A group of trends that organizing themselves in a force similar to the druidic circles as a mockery of their order. Azenroth is now the black hierophant of this order and works not only against the deforestation of the goblins, but also against the restoration of balance by the druids, acting to corrupt nature to his will, until one day he will take control of the domain of Forlorn. Moving away from these dangerous forests, we came to the devastation caused by the goblins as we approach Castle Tristanoria. These savage creatures act barbarously and violent, and organize themselves in clans according to reminiscences of their former human lives and live in constant conflict. 
The clans only cooperate when they are under the command of the master, Tristan Ablanc, the Dark Lord of Castle Tristanoida. Tristan actually has broad control over the goblins and can maintain telepathic contact with these creatures and the wolves that prowl in the land. His recent campaign to clear and burn the forest is intended to destroy the sacred groves and the druids, to whom he attributed the mystical force of the curse that imprisons him to the vicinity of the sacred oak where his mother was hanged and his stepmother Huo was murdered. However, not even Tristan is aware that one of the leaders of a powerful globinoid clan maintained its independence from his command. Hurd Apkite, the chief of the clan Apkite, had a magic ring on his finger on the day of war, an old family heirloom that protects him from Tristan's mental commands. Though he does not remember his former life, Hurd Apkite resents Tristan's control over his globinoid brothers and planned the day when he will take revenge on his tyrant master. The globinoid forces encounter resistance to the deforestation campaign among the druids and trans, but they also fear a mysterious cloaked figure that roams the woods at night. This enigmatic figure is feared by the goblins, who avoid wandering in his lands during the night and learn to fear the melancholy musical sound of his flute. The cloaked figure that haunts the knights of Forlorn, near the border of Barovia, is the vampire Jander Sunstar, who after confronting and nearly destroying Constrad, had his death and sacrifice prevented by the Dark Powers. After centuries regenerating his sunburnt body, he has emerged in the remote lands of Forlorn, where he hides in a cave and plans his next step in his crusade against evil. As we march away from the Barovian border, we reach the shores of the Great Lake of the Red Tears. This huge highland lake was formed during the Day of Woe, when the lands of the Barony of Forfa were swallowed by the mists. The tremors and earthquakes caused large landslides, and a great number of small lagoons came together to form the large lake. Since that day, a strange undead creature with a serpentine neck began to be sighted in the lake, called Agatha or Eggy by its discoverers. This unique creature is quite dangerous and is known to attack beings foolish enough to swim in the lake or to walk very close to its shores. In addition to his dangerous bite, its undead mouth can spell a cloud of poisonous and lethal gases. Many speculate that this undead creature was dead trapped or frozen in the depths of water and was released and reanimated by the day of fall and the mighty earthquakes that shook fall. Others speculate that the lake is bottomless and is a gateway to another world from which such a creature emerged. Some bold adventurers claim that the lake bottom is actually the creature's lair and is littered with ancient treasures ready to be reclaimed by intrepid explorers. Circling the Lake of Red Tears, we approach the ruins of the city of Birnan. The old city, formerly a large urban center, is now abandoned and uninhabited. The only creatures that circle its alleys 
are the inconvenient Gremishkas, large pack of beasts that behave quite aggressively. At night, however, many believe that the city is haunted by the countless specters and haunts of its former residents. In the city are the ruins of the once grand Apfito Hall. When Marc Blanc managed to surround the hall, he imprisoned all members of the Apfito clan inside and set fire to the construction, killing 23 members of the clan, including old people, women and children. Inside the ruins of the building, on the ground soaked in blood and death, stands a huge deadhead tree, which has decomposing severed heads on its branches. These heads roll on their branches, and they whisper in desperation a call for help and a trap for the unwary. Each severed head has in its mouth sharp seeds that they spit on other living animals or people that pass near the cursed tree. Once inserted into a victim's body, the seeds begin to germinate and grow, feeding on their victim's blood and eventually killing them. From these corpses, a new death head tree will emerge. When these heads reach a certain maturity without spreading their seeds, the rotting heads fall from the tree and slowly float in search of a victim. From the ruins of Birnan, we can see the vast structure of Castel Tristenoria, with its ancient fortress-shaped tower and imposing walls. The castle seems abandoned and forgotten, and only goblins has the courage to enter these ancient haunted ruins. The gloomy Castel Tristenoria is close to a rocky cliff above the Lake of the Red Tears but once a sacred groove of the druids were located. The surroundings of the castle are completely deforested, and from the old sacred groove, only an old oak tree where Fora Aplanc was hanged remains, still alive after many centuries, remaining imposing in the castle's central courtyard. The terrible truth behind these dark walls that time itself seems to dissolve around the tragedies that have marked its history. The Castle Tristenoira exists simultaneously in several distinct periods of time. While a visitor will always enter the abandoned castle in the present, once inside, time can flow in strange ways and the visitor may find himself transported or even imprisoned in a distant period of time. The first time period of the castle is in the year 452 of the Barovian calendar, when a visitor will find only the initial fortification of the Tower of the Ablanks, still inhabited by the ministerial Lord Ablank and his wife Isolt, as well as many servants who will surely be surprised by the arrival of intruders. This is a sad period in history as the two sons of the Aplanks were already dead and their doctor is missing for about a year. His wife, Isolt, has gone mad with grief. A traveler in this period, looking through the castle windows, will see a very different landscape with green hills and forests and the still active and inhabited village of Brihnan. The second period of existence of the castle is in the year 547, 
during the period known as the Time of Terror, when the Tower of Blanc had recently been expanded to a large castle, now called Castle of Blanc, and the lands of Fallon were being transported to the lands of the Mists. Constant tremors plagued this period, and the castle suffered from cracks and signs of damage. In this time period, the castle is ruled by the tyrant Mark Ablanc, and the fortress is defended by numerous mercenaries and soldiers, with its dungeons filled with prisoners of the bloody civil war of the barony of Forfar. Finally, the castle also exists in the present, but it seems abandoned and without maintenance, already known by the name of Castle Tristanoria. The only living creatures that walk its corridors are the terrible goblins serving Tristan and the huge wolves that roam freely through their battlements. The only humans that can be found here would be trapped in their dungeons and torture rooms. Rumor has it that the castle may still travel to other periods of time, to a remote past or to the very end of times, but such time jumps would occur only in very rare occasions. Not surprisingly, the few fools who escaped a visit in this timeless place have gone completely mad, especially considering that the construction is still heavily haunted by a myriad of ghosts and specters. Among the many ghosts that can be found in their halls, some are more present and powerful manifestations. The first of these apparitions is Flora Aplanc, and its presence can be found at any period of time the castle is currently transiting. She is seen as a ghostly translucent figure of a woman carrying a bundle of clothes in the form of a newborn baby, marked by the rope gallows. She is always seen fleeing toward the old oak tree in the central countryyard, and through macabre she seemed harmless, just begging in desperation for someone to save her child. Anyone who accepts such a charge receives in his arm an empty blanket without any child and witness the dreadful death of the lady, who then appears dying hanged in the old oak. Another dark specter that haunts the castle is the ghost of Rual, a druid of the own sacred groove who was also Tristan's foster mother. Its presence can be easily discerned by the gurgling bubbling sound of its severed throat, and the apparition cannot communicate with words. Her appearance is of a ghostly translucent body that has been severely brutalized and mutilated, whose throat has been cut and she uses powerful illusions and ghostly visages to try to influence others' actions to counter Tristan's evil plans. One of the saddest spirits that haunt the location is Isolde Apvey, Lord Blanc's former wife. In the first period of time, in the Tower of the Blanc, she can be found in her human form, as a woman in depression and despair for the death of her two male sons and the disappearance of her daughter. In the other periods of time, 
she is seen as a sad ghost, her body deformed by the fall from the tower, from where she committed suicide, her arms and limbs twisted at impossible angles. She wanders the castle halls, calling for her missing doctor, Bragin, in a sad wailing. Gillian Ablanc is the tragic ghost of a boy of 12 years old. One day, he saw from the tower window his beloved dog being attacked by a pack of wolves. The child ran to save his animal, but he was devoured and killed by the wolves. When his father, Lord Ablanc, ordered the wolves to stop the attack, it was too late. Most of the time, the ghost can be seen roaming the countryyard with the mutilated body of a dog in his arms, begging for help. At other times, the apparition still demonstrates its childish nature by playing with moving objects and playing tricks on the unwary explorers of the castle. Mohaut Aplank is another ghost and appears as a hideous floating specter, visible only from the waist up with an open wound in his stomach, exposing his entrails as in the moment of his death. Twisted elder son and heir to his title had always lived divided between his parents' desires. His father always wanted his son to become a fit and ruthless leader. A strong warrior was to become an heir to his legacy. His mother, on the other hand, wanted her son to have a religious upbringing and a kind heart. Always trying to please both parents, Mohoth became a strong warrior, but also a devotee of Morrigan, the god of war. One day, he invited a cleric man, who was his teacher, to spend the night at the Tower Uplang. As a gesture of politeness, he offered the guest cleric his own bedchamber. The cleric identified the presence of an evil spirit at night, and Tristan decided to assassinate him to prevent the spreading of stories about his terrible curse. At the first signs of dawn, he took his sword and went to the guest quarters, but mistakenly murdered his own son, who had exchanged rooms with the cleric. To prevent the discovery of his murderer's mistake, he quickly hid his weapon in the castle and brought evidence of the crime and blood-soaked clothes to his son's chambers where the cleric was sleeping. In the ensuing confusion, he accused the cleric of the murder of his son. Mohot died in his sleep and does not understand what happened to him. He believes he had been cursed by the god of war because of his kind heart and tries to break his curse by proving his worth and facing great warriors. Morhold's blade can cause lashing wounds that leave horrendous scars on his victims. He can only be permanently destroyed by his father's swords, hidden somewhere in the castle. Bregan Ablanc, the only daughter of Lord Ablanc, can only be found in the first period of the castle, in the Ablanc Tower. She is not a ghost and can be found in her human form, imprisoned in his dungeons. Tristan's doctor had followed her mother's footsteps 
and became a fervent cleric of the ascent. She began to suspect the true nature of her father. Tristan was determined to have his doctor abandon her clerical calling and secretly imprisoned her in the dungeons, subjecting his own doctor to terrible torture. If someone encounters Bragain in the past, she just wants to escape from this torment. At last, the most fearsome specter to haunt the castle is none other than Tristan Ablanc himself, the Dark Lord of these lands. His cursed nature is unique, as he is during the day a vampire, a human corrupted by vampiric blood, and at night an Ohandos ghost. Do you still have the courage to continue exploring these haunted corridors lost in time? Then subscribe to this channel and enable notifications as you go deeper into the past to find Lord Tristan Ablanc darkest secrets.